Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Sarah, and I want to start just by saying how grateful I am for this church. Um, when I moved to Columbus to be part of the launch team, uh, it wasn't like public knowledge yet that Mark and Kristen were planting a church. So I moved to Columbus and I moved into this family's basement. Um, not Mark and Kristen, just some other random family. And that's true. And I was working at the Gap and um, was like babysitting for this family. I was 26 at the time. And because we weren't really like, it wasn't like public knowledge yet that Mark and Kristen were leaving the church that they were at to plant movement. When people would say like, so why did you move to Columbus just to like, work at the Gap and live in these people's basement. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Columbus is so great. Like, that's just why I came here. So um, it was really nice when all of that was like out in the open. I could say like, actually, this is why I came to Columbus. Surprise! To be part of this church. So um, Mark and Kristen are the oldest friends that I have, not like they're not the oldest as in their age. I mean, I've known them, they've known me the longest, I've known them the longest of any friends that I have, and I am so, so grateful for them, for their leadership. You are so blessed to have Mark and Kristen um, leading you, and so it's like really fun for me to get to be back and to continue to be part of the movement family. Um, and this morning, we're going to continue our series our series, like I'm still part of you. Your series, you've been working through um, first, second, and third John. You're calling it the trilogy. And so um, we're going to look at second John today. And this book really, in many ways, is like, it's kind of like a recap almost of first John. In fact, when Mark called and said, hey, could you teach? And what we want you to teach on second John. I was like, Man, like that's first John's so much better, right? Like I was like kind of grumpy about second John. I'm setting myself up well here, aren't I? Um, but at the more time that I spent in second John, I started to love it a little bit. So the themes really of second John are truth and love. And if you've been around for these last few weeks, those probably sound familiar to you because a lot of that is also found in first John. But we're going to see that in second John, John, who wrote the book, really kind of like gives us an important perspective on the connection between truth and love. And as I have, like I said, I've spent the last couple of weeks just kind of like reading and rereading and rereading this book and found myself thinking about how um, there are times where someone will come to you and say, um, hey, I need to say something to you, but like, okay, th- I'm saying this in love 
And if you've ever had that happen to you, you know that like they're not actually going to say it. And they're about to say something mean, okay, is what they're doing. Like they're going to say something that you don't want to hear. And so they're say, like, I'm saying it too, but I'm saying it in love. And as I was thinking about that, I can think of a lot of times actually that that has happened in my life. But the one time that maybe was like the clearest for me, um, I was, when I was in middle school and high school, I played field hockey which is not the same as lacrosse. You people in Ohio don't seem to know. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Field hockey is down here. Lacrosse is up here. It's different. But I played field hockey middle school and high school. And when we were in eight, when I was in eighth grade, all of the eighth grade field hockey players, we decided that we were going to go to our friend Jamie's house. Her dad was a farmer and he had a barn full of hay, I think. I don't, straw? Are those different? I don't know. I'm not a farmer, clearly. Um, And so we were going to stay like in their barn all night long, which sounded so awesome to us. Like now I think like, what a stupid idea, right? Like we like slept in the hay, straw, stuff. It was very itchy. But at the time we thought it was so cool. So we're hanging out in the barn like all evening playing games. And then right before we go to bed, we decide you know what we should do is we should sit in a circle and we'll go around the circle and we'll take turns telling each other what we don't like about each other. And like, I look back at it now and I think like, what? Like, why would anyone say like, this is a really, it's like a, a, like an anti-encouragement circle. It's like so stupid. Like, why would we do that? Right? So like we went around the circle. It was like, okay, now it's Jamie's turn. So every other girl in the circle would say, well, Jamie, I don't like how you do this. And I don't like how you do this. And then the next girl would say, oh, I don't like those things either. And I also don't like this. I mean, it was just like, what were we doing? We didn't have social media, so I guess we just had to like go at each other face to face. We didn't know what else to do. So like this was an example of, honestly, as I think back to that, I've blocked a lot of it out of my memory. Really just the straw is what I remember. But there were things that were said that were true in that circle. But I can pretty much guarantee that none of us walked away going, you know, I think maybe there are some changes I should make in my life. No, everyone was just like, I hate all these people now. Like, this is awful, right? Like, it doesn't matter that you spoke truth to me. You did it in a way that actually just makes me want to like, hold up my hand to you. Like, nope, sorry. I don't want to hear anything that you have to say. And what we're going to see this morning, as we look at second John, is that there is a relationship between truth and love. And maybe to you, this will sound overly simplistic. Maybe it will sound like, okay, yeah, I get it. I've read my Bible. I know God cares about truth. I know God cares about love. And yet, we have to be constantly reminded of the things that really matter. Because we're forgetful. We have to be constantly reminded of the things that matter. And that's what Second John is. It's a letter to remind us of the things that really matter. So our big idea this morning, as we look at 2 John, is it's not truth if it doesn't lead to love. It's not truth if it doesn't lead to love. Now, some of you, you're, you're like, you feel nervous about that, right? Because you're saying, oh, but Sarah, the opposite is also true. It's not love if it doesn't lead to truth. Okay, yes, I don't disagree with you. However, I think that we can probably agree that if we take a look around at just the world in which we live, we live in a world where people are very ready to speak their truth 
I'm not wild about that phrase, but okay. There are people very willing to speak the truth. And they don't need to be loving when they do it. I'm just going to tell you what's true. And if you don't like it, that's your problem. And if you don't like it, that's too bad because I'm just telling you the truth. And what we're going to find here is, yes, truth matters. But if truth is not leading us to love, then we're not actually following the God of the Bible. So we're going to read 2 John together. Then we're going to kind of work our way through it. Before we read, will you just pray with me for a moment? We're going to ask God to just kind of move in these minutes that we have together. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this place. I thank you for Movement Church. I thank you for the Hilliard Y. I thank you for the men and women who have been involved and invested in this church for a decade, God. Thank you for the lives that have been changed, for the way that your kingdom has gone forward. And today, God, we ask for more of your spirit. We know that you're here already, but we also know that you love to delight in giving us more of yourself. So we're asking for more today. Speak through these words. Anything that isn't from you, God, I ask would just fall away. Make us people who look more like the men and women that you have made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start by actually reading all of 2 John together. And if you're using one of the Bibles that are um, under the chairs around you, it's page 746. 746 is 2 John. And it's only 13 verses long, so we're going to read the whole thing. This letter is from John, the elder. I'm writing to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows the truth, because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of God the Father, will continue to be with us who live in the truth and love. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God, but anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to do it with paper and ink, for I hope to visit you soon and talk with you face to face. Then our joy will be complete. Greetings from the children of your sister, chosen by God. Now, before we actually kind of get into the text that we see here, um, let me give you just a, a little bit by way of introduction. 
reading from the NLT, we see right from the beginning in verse one that this letter was written by John the Apostle. Now in the actual like Greek language, and maybe if you're reading from a different translation, you'll see that John's name isn't in there. The word is actually the old man, which I just think is really funny. Like from the old man, like he's just like fully embracing it. Like this is who I am, I'm old, okay? Um, But based on the style of the text, based on the way that this letter is written, it's very clear that this is written by the same person who wrote 1 John. Okay, so there's, there's no dispute about that whatsoever. And we see that this letter is addressed to the chosen lady. The chosen lady, there are a a handful of scholars, not very many, to be honest, a handful of scholars who think maybe this was like an actual specific woman. So a lady that he knows and he's writing this letter to this woman and sending it to her. However, what most scholars think is that the chosen lady is actually a way that John is addressing a specific church. Um, We see that the church is often referred to using kind of like female pronouns, so it wouldn't be out of character for him to address a church this way. And John was really like deeply connected to the community in Ephesus. So scholars think that this is probably a letter that's written to one specific church in the community of Ephesus. Okay, so this is kind of like if John were connected to you and he were to say to my people at Movement Church, I'm writing you a letter. I have some things to say to you. And as he writes this letter, if you look back at verses one through four, you will notice that truth is where he starts. Um, In verse one, I'm writing to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows the truth, because the truth lives in us. And then if you drop down to the end of verse three, He will continue to be with us who live in truth and love. And then verse four, how happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the father commanded. So we want to start here. Okay. Some of you who are feeling nervous that we're talking about truth leading us to love and you're feeling like, are we going to water things down? No, 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 no. We're starting with the truth. The truth matters. There is such a thing as truth. Now, we live in a world, in a society that is often asking, what is truth? And you should know that that's not a new question. In fact, the last day that Jesus was alive, right before he was crucified, he was standing on trial in front of a Roman governor named Pilate. We see this recorded for us in the book of John chapter 18. And as Pilate and Jesus are talking, Jesus is saying some things about himself. And Pilate responds and says, what is truth? Ironic that as he's speaking to the God of truth, Pilate says, what is truth? But this is not a new question. What is truth? Can we know truth? How do we find the truth? And Jesus actually gives us quite a bit of insight into this. We should not be thinking of the truth as some sort of, and, and I say this as a former teacher, okay? I taught high school for 10 years and it was really great and really awful. And if you've ever been a teacher, you can understand um, that truth. Sometimes we think of it as like this, this document, this book of facts. Tell me the truth. What do I need to know? It's like some sort of like dead thing. But I want you to see what Jesus has to say about truth. Um, we're going to look at 
in the book of John, we're not going to flip to them. We're going to put these verses on the screen because we're going to move some of them kind of quickly. In the book of John chapter 14, this is Jesus speaking to his friends. It's the night before he dies. Okay, so in the book of John chapters 13 through 17, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples the night before he is killed. And there's a lot of beautiful information in those chapters. And one of the things that Jesus talks about is the fact that he's getting ready to leave. His disciples don't get it. They're freaking out. What do you mean you're leaving? But Jesus says, it's okay that I'm going to leave. Because here's what he says in in chapter 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus is talking about on the day of Pentecost, which you can read about in the book of Acts chapter 2. The spirit of God actually comes and lives in the hearts of his people. We're going to go on then to the book of John chapter 16. So this is that same night later on in the conversation, Jesus circles back to talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Now, there's a whole lot that we could say about truth. People write like whole books about it and get like their doctorates in it and you know, all the things. But for this morning, I think it's important for us to be reminded that if you call yourself a follower of God, a Christian, the spirit of truth lives inside of you. When you think of the Holy Spirit, I don't know what words come to your mind first. Comforter, he brings you peace. and, And all of those things are true. I'm not making fun of that. But he's also, Jesus calls him the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth. And he will lead us to the truth. Now, I find this very comforting in a world where lots of people, including myself, are asking, what is the truth? Because, man, things feel confusing and overwhelming. What is the truth? To be reminded that there is truth and that I possess, as a follower of God, I possess the spirit of truth that will lead me to the truth. Now, how does he do that? How does he lead me to the truth? I'm going to highlight one story. We won't read the whole thing, but it's in the book of Matthew, chapter 4. If you want to turn there, it's page 578 on the Bibles uh, near you. Matthew, chapter 4. Now, in this story... This is right at the beginning of Jesus doing his ministry. And right at the end of Matthew chapter 3, Jesus was baptized. And when he is baptized, the skies open and the spirit of God comes down in the form of a dove and lands on Jesus. Now, again, we could spend a long time talking about that, but we don't have the time. But the spirit of God is now he's on Jesus. And if you look at Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, here's what we see. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the spirit of God is now on Jesus. Jesus is fully God, fully human, but we see that God's spirit has come on him. You know, I like that. 
Because that same spirit has come on you and on me. So, yeah, Jesus is God, okay? And I think sometimes we go like, well, because Jesus is God, of course he could, like, do these, like, things, you know? Yeah. But notice that we don't begin to read about any of the miracles that Jesus does or the teaching that he does. The thing that we see first is that the Spirit of God comes on him. I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that Jesus wasn't God before this moment, but I think that the, the, the lesson that we can learn, the encouragement that we take from this is the writers of the book of Matthew, the writer of the book of Matthew, he wants you to know God's spirit came on Jesus and then look at the amazing things that happened. In the same way, God's spirit has come on you, God's people. So what happens? The spirit of God leads Jesus into the wilderness and Jesus is tempted. We see three different temptations. Turn these stones into bread, which makes sense because he'd been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. Jump off the highest point on the temple and see if um, God will save you. And bow down to me, the devil says, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Every time Jesus replies, he replies by quoting scripture. How does the spirit of truth want to lead you? Because he wants to lead you. This is our first big point. The spirit of truth wants to lead you. How does he want to do that? He wants to use scripture to lead you. What is truth? Where do we find truth? God reveals himself to us in his written word. And maybe that sounds very basic and simple. And you go like, why do I keep coming to church when all they just keep telling me the same thing over and over again? Like read my Bible. Maybe because it's important. Again, I'm a teacher, right? You repeat the things that matter. If you're a parent, you know the same thing. How many times have you told your kids to put their shoes on when you leave? How many times have you told your kids like put flush the toilet? We flush the toilet, right? Like why do you have to keep saying it? They should know it. You got to remind them of the things that matter. We got to be reminded that where do we find God's truth? We find it in God's word. And as you spend time in God's word, as you begin to like, just let it kind of like fill you up. It becomes like, uh, like it's fodder is the word that keeps coming to my mind, which maybe means nothing to you, but it's like the raw materials then that the spirit of God can lead you to when he wants to lead you. Because it's already in there. Because you've begun to immerse yourself in it. The same way that the songs that you listened to when you were in ninth grade, whether that was like through a streaming service or through a CD, which is the way that I listened to music in ninth grade. When those songs still come on the radio, you, many of you, you still know every single word. And you think, how is that even possible? I haven't heard that song in 20 years. Because you immersed yourself in it. It's still in there somewhere. The same thing happens with God's word. The spirit of truth wants to lead you. But like my sister says, God is a gentleman. I used to think that was really weird, actually. And I was like, stop saying that to me, okay? But I kind of like it. The idea is like, God is not going to force you. He leads us. He invites us. The spirit of truth wants to lead you. But he's not going to like tie a leash around you and drag you down the road. That's not how the spirit of God works. 
He wants to lead you into truth, but you have to be willing to put yourself into a place where you, you're exposing yourself to the truth. You're learning the truth so that when he's ready to lead you, you know where he's going. So the truth matters. This is where we start. But to go back to second John, I want you to see that this is not where we end. Truth, 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 truth. Yes, it's all very good. And God commanded us to live in the truth. But then look at verse um, five. Verse five says this. I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one that we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another, just as you have heard from the beginning. So the spirit of God wants to lead us. And what we see is that the the spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, he wants to lead us. And the second idea is that the spirit of truth wants to lead us to love. The truth matters. But John says, I'm writing to remind you that we've been commanded to love. Now, first of all, we said, like, what is truth and where do we find truth? And so now maybe the second question is, what is love? But actually, I think a better question is, who is love? And you saw in 1 John, as you studied this together, in 1 John chapter 4, God says, he is love. God is love. Okay, so what does it mean to know him and to follow him? Well, Jesus actually talked about this as he was on the earth in Matthew chapter five in kind of one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, and I will tell you before we even read these verses, I love them and I hate them. If I'm being honest with you, this is what Jesus says. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for you? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. When you think about what it means to love, maybe in your mind you go like, oh, my grandma's so loving. She always like had cookies and slippers for us. Now, I don't, like no shade to your grandma, okay? But like, yeah, grandmas are supposed to love their grandkids. That's like, it's like in them. They can't help themselves, okay? Jesus says, everybody does that. We all love the people that are nice to us, the people that we like. If you want to be my followers, you love your enemies, now, I would say for a lot of my life, there like weren't people, when I heard enemies, I was like, I don't know, I guess like my brother's kind of mean to me sometimes, so I guess he's like my enemy, I don't know. But I'll tell you, in these last two or three years of my life, if you were to say who were my enemies, I know. I got, I got some names and faces, okay? Like, I know who those people are now. I've lived enough life to know who my enemies are. And I will tell you, I don't want to love them. I don't. I don't want to treat them the way that Jesus is saying that I'm supposed to treat them. I want to be done with them. I want to tell you all the bad things that they've done to me. I don't want you to like them either. Not only do I want them to be my enemies, I want them to be your enemies. Like, let's just spread it around, right? So why does Jesus say this? Because if he says it, because if I call Jesus my Lord and my master, 
that I, then I should be becoming more like him. And look at what it is that God did. In Romans chapter five, we see this. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Why does Jesus tell us to love our enemies? Because that's what God did. I was no great thing when Jesus died for me. None of us were. We were his enemies. But then, and this is the part that I just think is wild. The night before Jesus dies, Jesus is talking about his death. And he actually says this in John 15. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is getting ready to die for us, his enemies. We've just seen that we're his enemies. And yet God's love for us is so big that he looks at us, his enemies, and he says, nah, you're my friends. This is what God's love can do to us. Like, I want this, you guys, I do. When I think about these people that I think of as like, they're my enemies, I don't want to carry around the things that I'm carrying around. I want to be able to say this. Like, I want to be able to say like, okay, I'm not saying what they did was okay. They, they did wrong. Yes, they did wrong. But God loves me. And so I'm going to love them. I'm going to do it. And not, not in like a, I'm going to love you. Like, <laughs> I'm going to make you like feel bad about yourself because of how nice I'm being to you. Okay. Not like that. But like an actual, like I'm, something in me is changing. I'm not just going to love the people who love me. I'm going to love the people who are just awful to me. I'm going to do it. The only way to get there is by spending time in Jesus's presence. It's the only way to do it. Not just like I read my Bible and I check off the list, although reading your Bible is important. That's where we started. But spend time with Jesus. Go on a walk and don't put your headphones in. Just be with him. Just say like, God, I'm listening. Do you have anything you want to say? Now, I don't know that you'll hear a voice, okay? If you do, please tell me. That would be amazing. But maybe as you're walking, you begin to experience just, he's like leading you. Like, oh, you know, maybe you sense some comfort. Maybe you're just aware of his creation in a new way. Maybe he brings something to mind, a verse or a blessing that he's placed in your life. Spend time in Jesus's presence. Make yourself aware of his love. Let that begin to change you. Now, this kind of brings us all down to the, the final portion of the book of 2 John. The reason that John is talking about both truth and love is because of this. In verses 7 through 11... What we read is that there are deceivers. In fact, John uses the word antichrist, which is like terrifying. Okay, that's bad. Okay, and you don't want people calling you the antichrist. That is bad. Okay, why does he say that? Because he says these people showed up and they're trying to teach you that Jesus was not actually in a physical body. Now, that was a, like a common false teaching that existed in the first century. It was called Gnosticism. The idea was that the physical, everything physical is bad, and we're trying to escape the physical, and it's only the spiritual that is good. So what these teachers were saying is they're saying, if Jesus is really God, he could not have been in a physical body because the physical is evil. He must have just been a spirit that was here. And what John says is this, John says, 
If someone shows up and tells you that Jesus was not in a physical body, do not welcome them. Do not encourage them because what they're saying is evil. Now, why does this matter so much? Again, there's a lot that we could say about it, but I want to boil it down to this. We've already seen that God is love. And as love, how does God communicate his love to us? He puts on a physical body and he moves into our neighborhood. This is the way that the message translates John 1, 14. Jesus moved into our neighborhood. So Jesus, as love, as loving God, he's not, he doesn't just stay far away from us and say like, I love you and I love you and I love you and I hope you find me. Jesus, as loving God, puts on a physical body and moves into our world so that he can love us in a tangible way. The spirit of God, the spirit of truth, he wants to lead us. He wants to lead us to love. And the last thing I want to say to you is he wants to lead you to live love. And maybe that sounds like a corny 90s song and I can't help it, okay? But that's what he wants. It's not enough for us to say, I love my enemies. It's not enough for us to say like, oh, I love all people. I love immigrants. I love refugees. I love orphans. No, that's not enough. It's not enough. Not if Jesus is your God, it's not enough. Because what Jesus did is Jesus put on flesh and bones and he moved into the neighborhood and he actually tangibly loved people. You're blind. I'm going to give you your sight back. You're hungry. I'm going to feed you. You need a family. I'm going to place you in a family. This is what Jesus did when he lived on the earth. So this is what we are called into. Unless you think that like Jesus is kind of like the, you know, he's like the junior version of God because he's God's son. I would direct you to Colossians chapter one, verses 15 to 23. In those verses, what we read is that Jesus is the full image of God. In other words, when you look at Jesus, you are seeing all that there is to see about who God is. He's not a junior version or a secondary version or a less than version. Jesus is God in his fullness. And he put on a body and moved into the neighborhood and lived love. I love, I love that this morning we heard about My Village Ministries. The pecs are telling you about how they are living love and how you can live love too. This isn't just, we care about families out there somewhere who are hurting. They're actually doing it. They're bringing kids into their home. They are living love. It's tangible. So as we conclude this morning, okay, I want to remind you of our big idea. It's not truth if it doesn't lead to love. It's not enough to say, I believe in Jesus and I believe that he did these things and I believe in the things that he taught. If it's not leading you to love the people around you, you're not believing the truth. You're not. This is what John tells us in 2 John. If people show up and they try to tell you all that matters is the spiritual part, the spiritual part, 
You tell those people that they're not welcome. Because it's, we're whole people. Jesus came in a physical body. He loves your soul. He came to save your soul. And he also came to love us in a real and tangible way. This is the kingdom that we're a part of. So as we conclude this morning, I'm going to pray for us in a moment, but as we conclude this morning, I'm just going to hang out over here, okay? Kind of in the front. And if you would like prayer this morning, I would like to pray with you. And maybe about one of two things. Maybe as you're listening to this, you're going like, I don't even know what it could possibly look like for me to like live love. I don't have any idea. I don't know like how God wants to use me, who he wants me to love. I have no idea. Let's pray for God to lead you. Or maybe you hear this and you go, oh, I got enemies. Yeah, I know who they are. I do. I have their names in my phone. I have a list of them, right? Like maybe you know, okay, you know who they are. And you hear this and you go, there is no way that I can love those people. Yeah, you're right. On your own, you can't. But the same spirit who brought Jesus back to life lives inside of you. So let's ask him to give you the ability to love your enemies. So if you would like prayer for one of those two things, I would really like to pray for you. Like I said, I'm going to be up here as we kind of conclude this morning. So during this last song and during the announcements, if you would like to come over, if you want prayer just for like the spirit to lead you, what does it mean to live love? Or if you would like prayer about specifically loving your enemies, I would love to pray for you. Let's pray together and then we'll sing. God, I thank you that you are a God of both truth and love. It's not one or the other with you, it's both. And God, I thank you that in Jesus, we see what it means to live love. You don't stand far away from us. You don't stand far off from us. You moved into our neighborhood to love us. So God, I pray that you would help us to do the same thing. I confess personally, God, I confess that it, I'm not good at loving my enemies. I'm not. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but I do want to be more like you. I want to be more like the woman that you have made me to be. So Spirit of God, will you change me? Will you change us as your people? Will you make us a community that is led by the Spirit of truth to love and to love in ways that are real and tangible? We thank you, God, for who you are and for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.